guys. Welcome back to Into the Light, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. And today is another fantastic day for an interview. And I've got Kristen Lausen with me. Kristen and I share actually so much uh, from trauma in the past and the way we, uh, we have now transformed into to beings who want to to live our life to the fullest and to bring light into the shadows. And indeed, lighting the shadows, that is uh, the, the, the perfect way of describing Kristen and her show and her movement really in demystifying mental health and showing that there is hope and that whatever is happening to you now, however dark it seems to be, that this is temporary and that there is a life waiting for you. You might just not see it right now. And I think that is already the key message. And if you, if you need to go, if you, if you have only limited time, that was the key message. Kristen, thank you very much for being on my show. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, hang around a bit more because I think there's more to come. But this life is so short. <laughs> Do not give up. So Kristen, thank you so much for being on my show. <laughs> yes, of course. And that was just the perfect introduction. That is what my podcast is all about that's what I the message that I hope to convey to everybody when I I'm on podcasts and when I do shows like this um, because everybody needs to feel that hope and I truly believe that it's available for everyone because I myself have been in very dark places where I felt absolutely hopeless and I felt like there was absolutely no way I could survive what I was facing and I've made it through okay. And now I feel that hope and I feel that light in my life. And so that is, that is, that's the main message that I want to give every time I open my mouth to people is no matter who you are, no matter what you're experiencing, there is hope. There is hope for you. And I truly believe that with all my heart. So thank you for that fabulous introduction. <laughs> and it is we are fellow travelers uh, and we have gone through the valley of death. Uh, to, we have seen the darkness and it is, it's brutal. And I remember how hopeless I was and how helpless I was. And for me, I was, I was hitting the bottle big time because I wanted to drown my sorrows, drown the pain. And uh, turns out the critters can swim. Um, so now my sorrows kept coming and the next day they were still there and even more because now I had the shame and guilt from drinking and all that. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I've spoken in heaps about that. And, but may I ask you, what were your dark moments? How did you now come to this place where you're so grateful for life? We, that, that gratitude comes from pain. That gratitude yeah. comes from darkness. Are you happy exactly. to talk about it? Yes, of course. Well, we wouldn't understand what light was and we wouldn't appreciate light if we didn't have the darkness. We wouldn't appreciate joy if we didn't have pain. We wouldn't appreciate love if we hadn't not had it before, you know? So it, we need both sides of things to be able to understand the good. We need some hard in our lives. And so um, I think you and I, 
have gone through really difficult things. And because of that, because we've made it out okay, we appreciate, we have a greater appreciation for life and for, you know, the things that we are able to experience now. And I think that's, that can be common to, to people who experience trauma. That's the healing side of things. Mm. And um, I believe that again, that's available for all people, but um, Mm. talking a little bit about my dark shadows, I grew up in a lovely home with two parents that loved each other and loved me and my siblings very much. So I was very blessed with a wonderful childhood. Um, I had an older brother. I have an older brother and a younger sister and a younger brother. And so there's four of us and we are always really, really close. Um, And my little sister in particular was my best friend. I just, I leaned on her for everything. I was a pretty shy kid growing up and she was just, I called her my angel. Like I remember giving a talk one time in church and talking about angels in life. And I talked about her and I said, you know, I don't know what I do without my sister. She's my angel in life. And I remember getting really emotional talking about it. Um, But unfortunately she was struggling with mental challenges and a lot of them that I I wasn't even aware of until I was in college and she was in high school. And when she was 22 and I was 25, I got the call that she had taken her own life. Um, And I was absolutely devastated. I just remember exactly where I was standing in my house. I had my, my daughter, um, who was only eight months at the time. And she was standing a little farther off from me and I just sunk down to the ground. And all I could think of saying was just why, you know, why, 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 why? Um, Just repeated over and over again. And I remember my daughter just crying because she didn't know what was happening to me. She'd never seen me so devastated. And it took a, a long time, a long time to process that she was gone. Um, so the next year I'd, I'd spent just pouring my heart into writing poetry, writing songs, um, just trying to express the pain that I felt and trying to process the reality that she was gone. Um, and that was really difficult. That was a very dark time for me and really hard to know how I was going to make it through that trial because she was honestly a part of who I was. And so when I lost her, I felt like I lost a piece of my identity. I felt like I lost a piece of myself. And so trying to figure out, you know, I asked this question a lot after she died, who am I? What is my purpose in life? Like I, and then also just feeling like I wasn't enough because I felt like almost responsible as her older sister to like love her enough for her to stay alive, I guess. And I just felt like my love wasn't enough, you know, that I didn't do enough to help her be happy. And and I carried a lot of that responsibility for a while. And then my small family, me and my husband and my, my daughter, a couple years later, moved to a different state. And that was, you know, I, I'd been with family um, and I was really close with my brothers and my mom And then moving to a different state was really difficult because now I wasn't close to friends. I didn't have family anywhere nearby and I didn't know how to present myself 
as somebody who had lost a sister to suicide. And so I felt like I had to put on a show. I had to just pretend everything was okay. And I had to be happy all the time um, because I didn't know how to accept my story and be my authentic self and let people see me in my pain, in my grief. Um, And so I just kind of felt like I was pretending. I felt like I didn't fit in. Um, I felt like people couldn't really understand me because I wouldn't let them in because, Mm. you know, for fear of Mm. rejection. And so I started to battle with my own depression and anxiety at this time in my life. And especially as a young mom, that was really hard because I wanted to be perfect for my daughter. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be that happy, go lucky mom that, that I wanted her to see me as. And I just couldn't be that all the time, especially struggling with depression and, you know, identity confusion and all these things I was dealing with and still Mm -hmm. the grief of my sister, the loss of my sister. So it was just really tricky to know how to navigate through that and how to show up for her and be my best self Mm -hmm. when I felt like my best self wasn't enough. And you know, and it was that whole underlying, I wasn't enough for my sister. Now I can't be enough for my daughter and just kind of battled those feelings and those emotions and thoughts. And, but luckily I started, um, therapy and I started antidepressants and that helped a little bit. Um, but then we picked up and moved again because <laughs> my husband had another year residency and, This time, you know, I felt like I had more tools. I felt like I was more prepared, Mm. but I also wanted to get pregnant again. And so I got off my antidepressants and I was really pretty good until about six months into my pregnancy with my Mm. son. And then things just hit me like Mm. it wasn't sudden. It was it was gradual, but it got a lot worse than it was the previous year. Mm. And I found myself not able to sleep. Um, And then, you know, I'm somebody that really, really needs sleep. So without sleep, I can't function. And I, I wasn't able to make myself meals. And then I was dealing with extreme guilt of, you know, not Mm. only am I trying to mother my daughter, who was, you know, three at the time, but I'm also carrying this child um, who needs nutrition, who needs Mm. a healthy mom. And I wasn't healthy. And that was really hard. Again, Mm. the immense guilt and the immense shame. Mm. Um, And eventually I had to be hospitalized. And that was really difficult because I felt, for me, I felt very judged by anyone who saw me because here I am, you know, at this time, eight months pregnant and battling just extreme depression. And I, at that time in my life had decided the best thing that I could do for my family because I wasn't able to function because I wasn't able to be enough for them. uh, What I determined was enough for them. Um, I felt like the best decision was to take my life after my son was born and somehow, you know, gifting them in my, my mind at that time, it was like I was gifting them with a new chance at a better mother. And I was sure that my husband would find somebody for them that would love them more than I could. And I loved them immensely, but be enough for them was the problem. I didn't think I could be enough for them. And so I thought that anyone else could do a better job than me. 
Um, because at that time I wasn't functioning. I wasn't able to be my best self and I far from it. I was barely able to get out of bed Mm -hmm. and I was so convinced that that was going to be my forever. And, but at the same time, battling so hard, like the battle was just extremely intense. And every morning I remember just waking up and focusing on this page that I had written out that just said change is possible and you can change and there is hope. And it was like, I just clung to that, but then I didn't really truly believe it because after so many days of just battling that, battling those thoughts, battling those emotions, feeling so hopeless, feeling like you're just getting stuck in this like deep, deep pit that you just feel like you're burying yourself in this pit. And it's like, it was hard to believe that change was possible. And I was doing everything that I could to just try and grasp tight onto the idea that there was light available, that there was change available, but I was sinking deeper and deeper into this pit And really, it was quite a miracle that I was able to get out. I think my healing has layers, my story has layers, and my healing has layers. But a lot of it was, um, it was trying to figure out that love is unconditional. And, you know, I believe in an unconditionally loving God and trying to figure out how to access that source of unconditional love was huge for me Um, because in my state of brokenness, I felt unlovable. I felt Mm -hmm. like I didn't deserve life. I didn't deserve family. Mm -hmm. I didn't deserve, you know, what I deserved was to be alone forever and to go to hell and whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. but I had to really learn for me that God loved me unconditionally and that I could access that love And then, you know, I got back on medication and I started to focus on hope and I started to focus on light every day. I started to change my prayers because before um, my prayers would be like, okay, God, like get me out of this, snap your fingers, make everything okay. And that was not happening. You know, it was like months and months and months of like, nope, nope, there's nothing. There's nothing. Like I'm just sinking deeper and deeper into this pit. But there was one day where I was like, you know what? I need to stop focusing on this. And my brother who struggles with depression as well, um, he told me something that just really hit me in my immense darkness. And he said, if you want to stop, if you want to get out of the darkness, you got to stop fighting the darkness. And you need to focus on turning on a light. And that just really hit me hard because what I'd been doing was I was just fighting it, you know, like I want to get rid of this. I, I hate these feelings. I hate these emotions. I hate what I'm going through. And I was just fighting, 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 scrambling in this pit. And at the same time, finding myself deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. You know, every scramble is like I'm just burying myself. Um, but the moment that I started to focus on what can I do? What is one thing today that I can do to make my life better? And, you know, every day I just focus on that, on that one thing. If that was read my daughter a story and just be present, then that was something I could like congratulate myself on. And, you know, that's the one light that I, I turned on today. And it was pretty miraculous once I started to change my mindset to that, 
how quickly I was able to find change and healing and hope and to access that feeling of love that I felt like was so blocked off from me because, you know, again, I felt like completely unlovable and just distant from love. Um, so it was really wonderful that I was able to, to find that and to feel that again after focusing on just turning on that light. Your story is so beautiful for many reasons. And one of the reasons that you might not recognize yourself, but that I listened up, pricked my ears when you said it is, you were accept accepting help. You were not fighting the help, but you accepted it. You let yourself be admitted. The doctor saved your life because that's ultimately, and, and the life of your boy, because ultimately, if you don't eat, if you don't drink, well, mm. you die, as simple as mm. that. And that's sort of the, the suicide in installments that uh, some people in their darkness choose. And that is sometimes where, where indeed psychiatry can be a life-saving uh, thing by actually getting you admitted and getting you treated. So the first big thing that you did there was to allow help to come into your life. And who was who was... Were you strong enough to seek help from a doctor or was that your husband or so your family to actually a, guide you? Yes, that's a really good thing to ask because um, on one hand, you know, I had my parents that were just, they lost a child from suicide and I, I told them I was suicidal and they were like, what do we do? What do we do? Mm -hmm. What do we do? You know, we need to take action. And then my husband on the other side really wanted it to be my choice. And so he was like, I don't want to force anything on you. You know, I want you to just choose, are you going to take medication? I want that to be your choice. Mm. Are you going to go to the hospital? I want that to be your choice. Well, I was at a point where I could not make a choice for myself. You know, I exactly. think we get to a place where my mind was not functioning healthily. And so mm. I couldn't make a healthy choice for myself. So I wish someone would have stepped in sooner. I wish my husband maybe would have just like taken me to the hospital mm. a month earlier. Yeah. I don't think I would have gotten to that deep, deep, dark place, but I understand it's hard to feel like you're forcing someone into something mm. that they don't exactly. necessarily want to exactly. do. And so, you know, I just got to that place where I was, I mean, I was off the walls. I was not, my mind was not, normal and I was saying things that were, didn't make sense and mm. I was losing it and then my husband was like okay we need to take action but mm. yeah I think it would have been a lot more beneficial had somebody mm. help me get to the hospital earlier mm. um that's beautiful yeah. that you, yeah it's beautiful that you say that same with me um my my family had asked me, nagged me to stop drinking, but it was, uh, no one nagged me, uh, maybe a little bit, but it's certainly the push was all on the drinking, not seeking help with the underlying problem. And that was really the issue. So the counseling that was non-existent and maybe the, the counseling that I didn't want to have. I was in, in a screwed up place up there and, and it, mm. is, it is, I needed someone else to step in. And my wife loved me enough to one night actually uh, broke the seal of privacy and, and actually 
called my my boss at that time and he came around 10 o'clock at night and I was pissed like a fart in the garage sobbing my eyes out about yeah. about the pain and uh it was it was brutal and then basically three days later I was admitted to a rehab hospital and it was the best thing that ever 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 happened to me in my life and but I couldn't do it myself either. I, I, there were probably not many self-help books that I had not read. I had all the, that's right, Tony Robbins. I had all the CDs. I listened to them. I put on paper, I made plans. Mm-hmm. They were not from the heart. They were not from, from, from true inside. I went through the motions, but nothing was really grabbing me. And meanwhile, I was spiraling into the darkness more and more. So I so understand where you have been. And therefore, I'm so pleased that you were able to actually accept the help when it then came mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and that admission. How long did it take you to, after the, uh, the birth of your son, to start feeling an improvement? Um, probably about a month, even less than that, a couple of weeks. Oh, wow. Wow, that's yeah. fast. It was fast. Yeah. Yeah, My recovery was really pretty quick. And considering how low I was and, Mm. you know, how hopeless I was and how sure I was that things Mm. weren't going to get better. My recovery was very quick. Mm. Very, very grateful for that. I mean, guys, have a look into Steps to Sobriety, my book, and uh, the second edition is just coming out. So hopefully by the time that that uh, this uh, video or that the interview is airing, uh, it will be out there, uh, published through Don uh, Bates Publishing. And there was a big chapter in there on, on postnatal depression and depression mm-hmm. in its own right. And I'm going through... through a lot of things there, especially for me as a man, the things I should have said to my wife, the mm-hmm. things I should have done, the right messages to give her. But I'm also giving you a few figures out there, basically saying that postnatal depression is bloody common. Um, yeah. The baby blues is, is in its own right out there. And it's far more yeah. likely if you have been depressed before. And yeah. depression is a one in three chance in your life. It's a one in three chance. So, you know, here we are labeling ourselves as failures, yet it's probably something to be expected. Okay. This is something that most of us will go through some hard times. Yet in our society now with, with picture perfect masks, every picture you take goes through a filter and you, you only see what you actually want to see. You don't even see the real self. You only, Mm -hmm. hey, you only see the, the really nice side and then you put the filter on. <laughs> Fuck off. And it's just yeah. honestly, no, no. So, but that's our problem. And that's, that's where we need to learn that things are not easy. Um, mm-hmm. you, you strike me as a woman who, is, who has been looking after her health, uh, try to live healthy and eat healthy, all these kind of things. But that went down the drain when the mm-hmm. depression hit you. And I think we need to talk about that because here you are, you're growing this beautiful, immense thing in there. And not only are you nourishing yourself, you're nourishing, mm-hmm. what, four kilogram of baby that is growing mm-hmm. up. So that's a hell of a lot of minerals, 
uh, nutrients, macro micronutrients, mm -hmm. all kind of stuff that you need to do that. So yeah. that's all the food, the, those kind of things that you need to get in. You were not taking in, uh, certainly yeah. not to the quality I mean, that you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was eating, um, but it was really hard for me to make my own meals, mm. you know, and my husband is not the best cook. <laughs> it was uh -huh. on most time. So it was really hard when I was responsible to mm. be able to feed myself and my kid. I remember just pacing the kitchen floor for hours trying to figure out what am I going to make for dinner? And oh. that's just how my brain, it wasn't functioning. Exactly. It exactly. couldn't put two things together. And mm. so we ate, but it definitely wasn't like I'm used to making good meals, you know, I'm used to being able to meal plan for a whole week and have, you know, vegetables and fruits with every meal. And, mm. and it wasn't like that yeah. at all. Yeah. It was like, okay, yeah. quesadillas again, you know, I guess we're just going to have to do this. And, and <laughs> I can't tell you the immense shame that I felt around that. And I wish I could like looking back on that, I'm like, man, I wish I could have just given myself grace of like, mm. I'm going through this really hard thing. I took my prenatals today and I made quesadillas for me and my kid. Like that's pretty good, you know, pat on the back. But because I was dealing with the whole, I'm not good enough. And I wasn't used to functioning that way. I was used to being very high functioning, um, you know, making the elaborate meals. And so I just hated myself. I was like, how could I give myself and my kid a quesadilla three nights in a row? You know, like just hated myself for it. Um, Your kid was probably honestly, saying yummy. Hey, yeah, <laughs> not, honestly, not a broccoli was hurt. <laughs> I don't think it was that big of a deal. And it, it's funny too, because I had parent, my parents came eventually and, and they saw me and they, what they saw and what I was saying were completely different things. You know, they were like, I see a patient loving mother who's uh, taking care of her children, but I would say, no, I'm uh, not, I'm failing. Exactly. I'm doing this. I'm not doing that. Exactly. And so I just, I wasn't perceiving reality and I wasn't giving myself any ounce of compassion or grace. It was like, I can't be perfect. Okay. I'm not worthwhile. And I, I'm not, I shouldn't be allowed to live or be a mother, you know? And so, yeah, it's just, really, really, really hard on myself. Um, and, and yeah, and I think I just sunk into that. <laughs> it honors you, it honors you that, that you can now talk so beautifully about that because your, your feelings that you have described are actually so common. I recognize myself in that. No doubt my wife, when she will listen to that interview will say, oh yeah, Oh yeah, she has been in that dark hole. And and so many others are out there and it's beautiful how you describe it. It is normal at some stage in your life to experience that. Mm -hmm. And it's not pretty, but it's normal. And that is wonderful. In your case, you were lucky because with the you had already sought help after your first child. So you knew that help is actually there. You were able to accept it. You had the antidepressants and you quickly got better. Yeah. Many women, that is not the story. And if you really want to look into that as the figures that I quote, there are, uh, you know, sometimes it's three months, six months, 12 months, three yeah. years 
where mm. essentially the mixture of postnatal depletion, so you being run down to the max mm-hmm. due to just not the optimal nutrition, but and and the lack because you've you sucked your body and in everything dry uh, in order to create this new being, and and I think lack of sleep is huge because oh, of know, course. how many young mothers are getting enough sleep? Of course, and a blessing for me, my son slept seven hours from day one through the night. And so I think that was just an absolute gift. Like, <laughs> I know I just, a lot I, of women will hate you now. <laughs> I know. Don't hate me. <laughs> uh, I feel like, yeah, it, that can't be repeated. Like it, it just was amazing. But I think I need, I know I needed that mm. to recover. I needed sleep. Sleep was huge. And so, you know, women who have babies that aren't getting the sleep right now, it's like you said, accept the help have your mom come over, have your friend come over and have them watch the baby for a couple hours while you sleep. You know, it's, it's okay. Your baby's going to be okay. Um, and they're, I'm sure more than happy to hold the baby for a little while. Um, but I think sleep is like, for me, even more than nutrition and both of our, both are essential, obviously, But sleep, if I could have had my sleep, I Mm. think I would have been able to get through it. But I really had insomnia when I was pregnant, bad. Um, So I would be up at two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, not able to sleep. And Mm. and that was a problem. Mm. Um, So yeah, do whatever you can to get Mm. that sleep. That for Mm. me, I think is is number one. And then hopefully your brain can function a little bit better to be able to take care of yourself. And I've also learned since I did an episode interviewing um, a gal that works with pregnant women and depression. And she gave me studies about how antidepressants affect pregnancy. And really what they know from the studies, it's minuscule, the amount of effect it has on the fetus. Mm. And if you have untreated depression, untreated anxiety, it can be a lot worse, you know? And so looking at the risks versus benefits, I thought for sure, if I was going to take the antidepressant, it would really affect my child. But now Mm. looking back, the depression anxiety Mm. affected him more than antidepressant. So I also would have gotten on the antidepressant a lot sooner if I would have really understood that. Mm. Um, So yeah, I I think, like you said, just being willing to get help. Mm. And another thing that I wanted to talk about, I you know, it wasn't easy for me to accept help. And I did a lot what you did, what you described doing, reading self-help books and doing everything on your own. I even had my mom say, well, let's, are you exercising? Are you doing everything that you can? Like just you, you do as much as you can and Mm. then seek help when you can't do anymore. Mm. And I don't know if I'd agree with that logic and that Mm. reasoning, because I think if I would have sought help, I know if I would have sought help when I wasn't clear down in that pit, mm. it would have been a lot easier and quicker mm. to get better. And I wouldn't have suffered as much. Um, <laughs> so I don't think you should wait until you're in that pit to get help. You know, if you're feeling a little anxious or a little depressed, there's nothing wrong with talking mm. to your provider about that. There's Absolutely. nothing wrong with seeking therapy and seeking outside help. Um, and I remember when I was trying to do it on my own, I kept this gratitude journal mm. And every morning, you know, my mom even was telling me, you know, gratitude is key. 
you will feel better if you are are grateful. And every morning I would write in this gratitude journal and I would just like, I really fought hard on my own. And every morning, you know, every single day I'd write a page full of things that I'm grateful for. And it got to the point that I started to feel shame because of everything that I acknowledged I was blessed with. Well, then how dare I feel this way? Like I have... I have this, I have a loving husband who is working by <laughs> family. I have, you know, a child who loves me. Why am I feeling so awful? How dare I hmm. feel so terrible when I have so many beautiful things, you know, and then I would compare myself like, well, so-and-so doesn't have as, as good of a life as I do. And they're doing just fine. Like, how hmm. dare I feel bad? How dare I be so depressed? How dare I be down in this pit? And so kind of, was not effective for me because, you know, it turned into this comparison slash, mm. like just feeling guilt, more guilt and more shame for like being depressed because I recognized that I was incredibly blessed as well. And so like, okay, then why am I feeling so bad? You know? <laughs> and I do think that, you know, people kept telling me this when I was in this state and I didn't believe it, but I do now there's a neurochemical balance and there's there's chemicals going on in your brain and mm. for me I think the pregnancy hormones affected that the mm. lack of sleep affected that genetics affects that there's things out of your control mm. that can cause you to feel depressed can cause you to feel anxious can cause you to have you know some challenges I have several great aunts who experienced psychosis and mental breakdowns before um, I have several people in my family who have mm. But in that state, I couldn't acknowledge that. I just felt like it was me and I was broken and I didn't deserve life. But now looking back, I'm like, you know what? There were so many factors I couldn't control. Mm. And I just needed, I needed the antidepressants. I needed the outside help. I needed someone to step in. I needed someone to force me to get sleep. Mm. You know, I needed someone to make me some meals at that time. And it wasn't forever. It mm. was only a couple months and then I could be myself again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, no, yeah, I just really like to encourage people mm-hmm. to just get help and don't and wait. <laughs> absolutely. And of course it's right now, it's, it's a really, really difficult time with COVID and social isolation. So these kind of things are now uh, very much amplifying the risk that people are trying it all themselves, don't seek the help and getting worse, worse, worse. Many moons ago, I lived in West Africa and there it is far more open, social, etc. And young mums would come in and, and there, would, there would be in the cafe, there would be other young mums there and they came in with their baby And then, oh, there's a baby. And the baby made the rounds (laughs) from one to the other. So this young woman for an hour didn't see the baby. She could actually Mm -hmm. just re-unwind, talk, Mm -hmm. do do whatever she needed to do. And then finally, baby, oh, there's the baby coming back around again. (laughs) And it was just such a natural thing. That's wonderful. So exactly. So so that's, but that's, that's, that was a natural way of large families or groups of friends mm-hmm. supporting each other in this particular setting. Yeah. They probably did it without even knowing that they did it, yeah. but it was a nice part thing. Of the culture. Exactly. So, and for us in our picture perfect world to ask for help 
that's seen as a failure and yeah. that's such a bullshit such yeah a... we're meant to help each other we exactly exactly we're no that is <laughs> that's right yes. and yeah. and i think if you guys are out there and feeling i mean there's a reason that you've switched on that particular interview here of the 150 interviews that i've done so obviously uh kristen's uh, story is ringing a bell. Um, if that is the case, the sheer fact that you're listening to that, please ask yourself, is that is that maybe just a sign that you may wish to pick up the phone and and, and speak to someone? It doesn't mm-hmm. matter who it is. It is it is if it's, if you have got a really good relationship with your mum, give your mum a ring. Doesn't matter that she's on the other side of the world or or can't come to you because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Just a telephone. It's just and just say, oh, I really feel like shit, and yeah. and just be honest. And just the sheer fact that you can admit that uh, might set maybe something into motion for yeah. you to get help, for you to feel better. Because you have taken action. Yeah. It is, you know, all these little things. So there's there's so much to be said about just talking to someone about how you yeah. feel. Right? Yeah. And depression is such a liar. But it's interesting. I've had conversations with many people now who've struggled with depression. And there's common lies. So one lie that depression has is that you are alone. And mm that no one else has experienced what you're experiencing. You're the lowest that is possible. Um, I felt that. I know my sister felt that. I know my brother felt that. And that's just within my small family. And we all Mm. felt that, you know? Mm. And I've talked to countless people who have felt that, that they are alone. Well, that's a lie. You're not alone. You have people that love you. And it might not feel that way right now. But like you said, pick up the phone, talk to somebody, anybody, And they'll probably be able to relate to what you're feeling. It's just, we don't talk about these things enough. And so you think that you're alone in your thoughts and feelings, but you're not. Mm. Um, I can assure you, you're not. (laughs) So that's (laughs) one of depression's lies. Another one we talked about is that you're hopeless, that you're not Mm. going to change. Um, But one of my favorite quotes is change is the only constant. Things are always changing Mm. every day, you know, change every second changes happening. And so you are going to change. You can make change happen a lot easier and a lot better if you seek help and if you work towards it. Um, But things will change. You're not going to be stuck in the dark pit forever. You will be able to get out. Um, And finding the tools, finding the resources, finding the healing that's available can make that happen faster and faster. You know, the more that you seek after it and the sooner that you seek after it. But that's another lie. Um, And then another lie is that you are worthless. Um, every single person on earth has worth, has incredible worth, every single person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just trying to trust in that. I know I didn't when people told me that when I was mm-hmm. in my lowest of lows, I didn't, oh, yeah. but I can see it now. You know, I, I can see it in myself and I can see it in every person that I talk to. And it's just getting out of that darkness and into the light you're more able to see that clearly. You're more able to feel that love mm-hmm. and to realize that we all have incredible worth um, and that our lives have purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, each one of us, we have purpose. And so, yeah, I just 
I just want to mention, and those are only a couple of depression's lies, but depression is a liar. And so those negative thoughts that you might be Mm -hmm. thinking, negative emotions that you might be feeling, just, I don't know if you can't trust in anything else, trust in my words that they're lies Mm -hmm. um, because I've experienced it. And I know now that they're lies. So, yeah. And then, you know, just going back to, to gratitude, gratitude is an incredible tool. But I know from the experience that I shared about gratitude in my depression, it wasn't very helpful to look at things like that. Mm. Um, But I think having more of an attitude of gratitude is Mm. the key. And the way that I felt to do that is just it's having that trust and that hope that life is like a roller coaster and you're going to make it to the top. And that life is a gift, even if it doesn't feel like a gift, it is. And so when things are down and when things are hard, just having that attitude of, I know things are hard right now, but they are going to get better. You know, I'm going to make it out okay. I've, I've had some peaks and valleys in the past. And so things will get better in the future. That's just the way life works. Trusting in the process. Mm. Um in the process of life, you know, realizing that we're always learning and growing and changing and becoming, and we might take two steps back and one step (laughs) forward at times in our lives. We might take 10 steps back, but that's okay because there's always an opportunity to take another step forward. So yeah, I I wanted to talk a little bit more about that. And Mm. just if I was in, if I could talk to Kristen, if I could talk to myself, in that moment of writing out, you know, just frantically on my gratitude journal every day of, Oh, I need to be grateful. I need to do this. I need to be this person. I need to be, you know, if I could tell her it's okay to not be grateful for the way you're feeling right now, that's okay. It's okay to be feeling dark and lonely right now. Own that, you know, (laughs) seek the help. You don't have to be that perfect person. Exactly. And it's okay. And just be grateful that you have the opportunity to rely on other people, that you have the opportunity to learn and grow from the Mm. darkness right now. Things will get better. So just relax and take a step back from your gratitude journal for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly right. A while ago, I had had, uh, a life coach and she very much introduced me to gratitude and and we she she said come on one minute gratitude every morning and i started off and it worked like a treat absolute like a treat so i did one minute speaking out loud in the car on the way to work and after a minute i had a huge cheshire cat grin on my face and it was awesome (laughs) until about 10 days later when it didn't work anymore Mm -hmm. and i felt that that pang of guilt uh, see, it didn't work. I told you anyhow, it's a bunch of bullshit. And it was just, no, on that day, things didn't work. That, that yeah. what, not everything works every day for everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's yeah. where you need to learn the tools of recovery or of of loving yourself, the tools of loving yourself. Indeed. indeed. Because I think if I were to do that gratitude journal and self-compassion and just be like, okay, like what am I truly grateful for? And it doesn't come from a have to, 
It comes from a choose to, you know, it's not, I have to do this to be this certain person. It's, (laughs) I choose to be grateful today because I'm pretty awesome person, you know, it's, it's coming from a completely different attitude of self-compassion, self-acceptance, self-love versus I have to be this person. I have to fit in this box. I have to be perfect all the time. I have to heal myself. You know, so it's, it's a completely different attitude. And I think Hmm. gratitude is a fabulous key for recovery, Hmm. but it has to come from a place where you can be honest with yourself. You Hmm. can be true to yourself. You can be self-compassionate and loving. Hmm. And when it comes from that place, it can be a beautiful, incredible tool, but it's, it's difficult to always be in that space, <laughs> to be in that headspace. You don't have to be, but it's like, it, it can be really tricky to try and force that on yourself. And then that's when you experience that shame and the mm. guilt and the mm. things that are ineffective mm. um, for change and for healing and growth. So yeah, it's, I think it's more about the headspace, about where you are mm. with your attitude, with your relationship with yourself, than like the actual stating your blessings or stating mm. the things that you have in your life to be grateful for. It's more That's about right. an attitude. And let's be quite clear. Um, if you look at sleep, for example, we know that normal people, uh, Joe Blocks average out there, one in 10 nights will be shit for reasons whatsoever. You don't have always a perfect night's sleep. That doesn't mean to say that you're a failure. That doesn't mean to say whatsoever. It just is the fact. One in 10 nights are shit. And then the next night will be better. Now, with days and mood, it's the same thing. Yeah. Don't expect a picture-perfect mood all the time. If you have it most of the time, wow, I'd be yeah. grateful for that. But yeah. there will be days when you roll up in the fetal position in bed and want to mm-hmm. tell the world, get lost. I don't yeah. want to talk. I don't want to talk. I don't want to, I don't want to do anything now. I just need to lie here and feel sorry for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely okay. That's yeah. it's well, and it's silly because using that experience, like say I get one night out of 10 that I don't sleep. Well, what if every other night after that I were to beat myself up for that one night? Yeah, know? exactly. And then I'm exactly. then I'm staying up obsessing about it, like oh, I, well, I didn't get to sleep. And then it turns into 10 nights out of 10 that I don't get. Exactly. The thing about like having yeah. a bad day, yeah. if you just let that be, okay, yeah, that was a bad day. It's fine. Tomorrow's a new day. I'll do mm. better. It's fine. You know, and just give yourself that compassion. Then tomorrow is a better day. Mm. But if you the next day say, oh, I can't believe this and this. I can't believe I allowed myself to do that. I didn't yeah. write in my gratitude journal. How dare I? <laughs> like, and you just shame, shame, shame then that could turn into 10 days in a row where you do that. And it's just so vital to be like, okay, it's okay to not be okay sometimes. That's okay. It's a part (laughs) of life. It's okay to not get sleep one night. It's okay to wake up on the wrong side of the bed one day. You know, that's that's part of life. (laughs) Exactly. Perfectly imperfect. I think that's how I like to to look at myself nowadays and, and accept it and embrace it. And have a chuckle to myself about my own expectations that are they are hundred percent. I mean, being an anesthetist, uh, you know, it's not acceptable for me to be. Yeah, I, I ninety nine survived one. Oh well, yeah. It's just no. We we don't work like that as doctors. We are hundred yeah. percent. No, hundred twenty percent. Okay, yeah. and that's that's hard. So I have a lot to of pressure. exactly. So I have to distinguish. 
uh, that and have to accept there will be bad days. Yeah. There will be things and that's okay. You mm-hmm. just learn lessons from it and you put systems in place where you can be open about it. For example, yeah. in my workplace in theater, it is, I've, I've, I've created a culture where people can be very, very open uh, about their mental health and about their well-being because we all go for shit sooner or later. And yeah. it's nowadays not uncommon that a nurse might come to me and said, hey, look, I've got, you know, my mom is very unwell and I might have to put her in a home. My head is so not in it here. Can you yeah. keep an eye on me? Can you double check with me that we're doing the right things, etc.? And that's so beautiful. That's yeah. so refreshing and honest. And that's exactly the way I love it. And I think with that, we can work together to be an effective team at work to minimize the risk that things fall through the Swiss cheese model and 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 mm-hmm. things go pear shaped. Um, so, if that works so well in my in my professional life, mm-hmm. well, would it not make sense to do the same principle in my private life? Yeah. Would it not make sense to say, look, Lisa, I'm, Lisa is my wife. Look, darling, I'm, I'm not feeling so well today myself. I know you want to talk. I know you want to do things, but right now I feel like shit. Um, can I just go to bed for for 20 minutes and just actually feel sorry for myself? And then then you tell me about your day. Um, with that, she knows exactly, hey, you know, it's it's probably much better than um, that I wait and get my messages across, equally have my beautiful husband back, and not that crumpy bastard who <laughs> somehow doesn't respond the way I want him to respond. He doesn't love me anymore. He is, and then you get all these kind of crappy thoughts in her head. By me just speaking out, look, I've had a real shit day and being honest, being open, I have disarmed that conflict. I have de-escalated it before it even managed to escalate to that usual (laughs) up there. (laughs) So now maybe just, you know, so guys, when you listen there, I mean, there were so many gems in what Kristen and and I sort of said as vignettes and as as stories, because we have been there and we fucked it up in the past. So you don't have to, (laughs) if you have, then you can commiserate and can say, Hey, we've been there as well, but let's, let's, (laughs) let's, let's create that band of brothers and sisters who Mm -hmm. say, actually, actually, that was the past. The past does not equal the future. And mm-hmm. from now on, I will actually speak out. I will actually try to do the right thing by being open and honest and loving myself first. And yes. then loving, starting to love the others and communicating that this is what you need right now. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm. <laughs> I love that. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. There's so many messages we want to send out there, but I think we've flooded our 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 poor listeners already. <laughs> this was heavy duty and we came here bang, 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 bang. Which is beautiful. <laughs> this is beautiful. It just shows how much passion we both have developed, how much mm-hmm. how much passion towards living a life authentically, honestly, mm-hmm. and appreciating it for what it is a roller coaster 
ups and downs and left and right and and yes and just in trying to just enjoy the ride you know <laughs> I know it's really hard to enjoy the times that are where you're down um mm. but I think again the enjoyment comes from realizing well things are going to get back up again mm. and then I'm going to have like that thrill ride where I just go straight up in the air possibly <laughs> or I could do a couple of turns you know you just don't know what life is going to bring you well that's right but isn't looking it looking at it as a whole and appreciating that whole of life, you know, uh, with, with all of it twists and turns and upsides, ups and downs and the, the entirety of the roller coaster, if you could look at it in that perspective, mm. then it can, you can enjoy it, you know, cause you know that it's not going to stay the same. Mm. <laughs> it's always going to be changing. Isn't it? Oh, no, I, I love the way you've put that. And that's really, really important. Uh, is there any message that you would send back earlier in time? You were talking about the Christian who was writing the Gratitude mm -hmm. Journal and who was being the fake Christian yeah. or the not so well Christian. Is there, were there times, were there other messages which you would have loved to send back to an earlier version of yourself to prevent you, know, you you getting to the places that you had been? I so wish that I could give myself a vision, like just a picture of what life is now. When I was really struggling and I was yeah. convinced, you know, I wasn't sure about how my child would end mm. up and I wasn't mm. sure about how I would end up and, and everything in that place of severe fear and anxiety mm. and depression, all of it, darkness. Mm. If I could have just given myself the gift of a glance into the future, you know, look at your life only a couple months from now or, you know, a year from now, mm. look at your life. And if I could see, if I could have seen that, then I would have known that I wasn't hopeless. I would have known that I got out of it. I would have known that I found joy. I would have known that my son is like, the sweetest little boy on this planet earth. Like I, I just would have been able to see more of that full picture. I would have been able to see that things didn't, weren't so terrible all the time because in my mind, I thought they were just going to always go downhill and I was only going to get further in that pit. And that if I chose to live, that I would be a burden on everybody that, if things would just not look happy or good or wonderful and things are happy and good and wonderful. And so, yeah, just the gift of hindsight. I wish I could give myself that gift and I can't give myself that gift, but I don't need it now. And so I want to give that to other people. You know, if you're in that, just <laughs> things will look better. Things look back at your happiest time, <laughs> the happiest time that you've ever had in your life. I believe that we have the power and time can help us be even happier than that. You know, things can be held in your future that look even better than your happiest memory right now. Um, and so just, yeah, I just wish I could give that gift to other people, the gift of hindsight. Guess what? You're doing exactly that. You're doing exactly <laughs> so. that right now. <laughs> and that's why we spent the time to get it. We both could do other things, but we choose to talk to each other and be open about our journey. And with that, we, we hope that we can 
show the light into the shadows, uh, bring the light into the darkness of people. And we both chose quite rightly uh, these, this theme for our respective shows because mm -hmm. this is, to a degree, I see that as my duty. I see it as my, as making sense of my suffering. Mm -hmm. Why the hell did yeah. I go through all that shit? Yeah, and then just too. park it somewhere and and yeah. forget about it. That doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. It is I've suffered too much, so, and I live my life to such a full full extent now. It. It would, I would feel guilty not sharing that. I would yeah. feel guilty and ashamed that I keep all that joy to me and not tell others that survival is not just a possibility, but actually a given if you do the right steps, if mm -hmm. you accept the help, if you listen to the people around you, if you surround yourself by people who actually know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Don't just listen to anyone in your family. Don't just listen to the neighbor who may or may not have been where you were. No. Mm -hmm. Put a power team together um, in the sense of, well, your GP, your family physician. You find a psychologist, find mm -hmm. a psychiatrist. Well, I mean, you can't just find them. They are just not just rolling into your life when you demand them to be there. No, mm -hmm. you probably want to, want to start seeking help and seek help by being open that you're struggling and maybe mm -hmm. see a family physician. This would be the very first place. Mm -hmm. And as a doctor, the, the reason I say that is there are sometimes medical problems that can masquerade as depression. So yeah. don't just think you want to, oh my God, my mood is down. I need to now go into Freud and explore my childhood. That may very well be necessary. It's very likely that it's necessary. Yeah, yeah I think but most people <laughs> shall, shall we actually have some look? traumas. Oh, exactly, through. exactly. Shall we and maybe also look them. at your thyroid gland? Shall we look at your vitamin mm -hmm. B levels? Shall we look at yeah. other things that if they are completely out of kilter, you feel crap and you will yeah. have depressive symptoms. Yeah. So therefore, check you out biologically first and then... Once they, if they have found something, great, let's treat it. If they haven't found anything, then cool. They know who is around. They know people that you don't even know exist. Yeah. And therefore, they might offer you the help that then streamlines your recovery. Why yeah. do you have to reinvent the wheel? Huh? Exactly. Just, so now go out there, ask for help, and you will be amazed about the journey that you get mm -hmm. to go on because it you don't know where it leads you to but yeah. it, i assure you this will be a windy path but around every corner there's gonna be a new wow moment <laughs> or a new beautiful view uh, uh it's it's gonna be amazing Absolutely. Well, and I want to say too, I want to say like, if you go to a therapist and you don't click and you're just not feeling mm. it and you, you go several times and it's just like, maybe the one thing that you take away from that therapist is that you need someone that's a little more like blank, 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 you know? So you can learn things from every person you see, but mm. if you don't feel like you're clicking with somebody mm. or you, you're not on the same page, 
go find someone else. It's a journey. Um, and someone might work for you for like a year or something or a mm -hmm. month. And then you feel like, Hey, I've, I've gotten the tools. I'm now wanting to explore this. Yep. Yep. Um, don't limit to yourself to one person. Mm -hmm. Don't limit to your, yourself to, you know, one kind so of practice. True. So true. keep on searching and finding the tools that work for you. They're going to be mm -hmm. different for you than they are for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, because we're all very unique people. Mm -hmm. So just keep, keep looking, keep searching, keep mm. learning, mm. um, until, you know, you feel at peace. And, mm. and sometimes too, like I still go to a therapist, not as often, but I mm. do when I'm, I'm feeling the same triggers that I mm. have, you know, mm. I, I still have my hard days and I mm. still need help. Sometimes it's a lot less than I, I needed when I was in that state of depression, mm. but there's no shame in having, that group of people to support me and that I can lean on and talk to about mm -hmm. things. And so, yeah, just don't feel like it's a one and done thing. Um, don't, I know the feeling of disappointment when you go to somebody and you share your story and you don't feel heard that can happen. Sometimes mm -hmm. keep looking, keep asking questions. Don't give up because there are your people out there. You just have to find yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, so true. So true. And yeah, I love it the way you said it. I mean, if you take the example of a golfer, there was a reason that he has got, I don't know how many golf clubs they are carrying around, but shitloads of them. <laughs> and that is because every situation will demand a different strategy, a different golf club there. So it's the same with with life coaches or with people who are helping you. Some yeah. of them might be really, really good right now because they specialize in PTSD and certain techniques that are really required for you right now. In a year's time, the PTSD might be completely dealt with and the same technique will not work for yeah. the next trauma or thing that you're going through so you might have to find someone else uh, to you might need some other technique that you learn there and therefore that is what what what, Chris, what you said earlier on there is there is not one way how this going to get there's not one uh way that that helps all the time but it is you called it your trauma came in layers and your recovery came in layers. And that's that's mm -hmm. the most beautiful saying I can imagine. That's exactly what it is. So each layer might need a different tool to be yeah. dealt with. And that's okay. It's just mm -hmm. it just shows that there's more to be done. And I congratulate you if you come across another hurdle, because it means that there is another chance for you to grow. There's yeah. another chance for you to improve, to become that person that you really wanted to be. Yeah. That person that has looked deep and hard, dealt with those things in the soul that can be dealt with yeah. and put the other things to bed and say, okay, I can't actually do anything about that. And it's time yeah. to move on. Doing it this well, way. It is, it is so funny just the statement that you said, the person that you've wanted to be just kind of stuck out to me. Like, I think back on 10 years ago, the person who I idolized is completely different than who I idolize now. You know, it's like you just change your ideals, change your belief system can change, yeah, everything yeah. can change, but that's just a sign that you're growing. Mm -hmm. And 
and I appreciate because of my struggle, because of my growth, because of the people I've, I've met along my path of recovery and my journey of learning mm. and becoming, I want to be a different person now mm. than I, I wanted to be 10 years ago. And that person is more real. It's more accepting. Mm. It's mm. more love, loving, you know, like truly loving. Mm. And I understand that more because <laughs> of the struggles that I've gone through. That's so beautiful. It is. I, I love my scars on the outside and on the inside. They are all there. They are all telling their own story, yeah. um, a story of pain. But these these scars are part of me. They don't define me. Mm -hmm. uh, what defines me is my ongoing search for that guide, that that guide that I want to be, and mm -hmm. I want to to grow and yeah. share that growth with others so so that's why why i won't stop in a hurry doing this this podcast this youtube channel this life is too short and let's let's make the most out of it and by communicating by talking by sharing by uh, putting uh, lighting the shadows that is exactly mm -hmm. the way forward uh, where we hopefully we too can plant the seeds in many many of of our listeners and viewers so that they can be their own best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. mm. Kristen, what a powerful, powerful interview. Wow. Um, and it, it's uh, mind-blowing. I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm very humbled. I'm very honored to have you on my show because... It was, you gave me an hour of therapy here myself. So <laughs> well, <laughs> that was for free. I feel, <laughs> I feel the same. <laughs> it's been a wonderful and, conversation. Wasn't Thank it? Thank you for having me. And, and guys, take that as, a, as an example. Who says you can't have the same, the same communication or the same uh, talk uh, with, with someone. And, and just by being open, you might suddenly realize that this person has gone through the same shit or similar shit and 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 suddenly you find similarities and and wow a beautiful life is awaiting you and it's just it is taking little steps little micro habits little things it doesn't take tremendous effort it takes one little step if you want to walk 10,000 miles you need to put one foot forward either the left or the right it's not really so difficult one of them and yeah. that's the start of your journey and i invite you to come onto the journey um kristen and i happen to be a little bit further further down that journey but we have got a huge huge path ahead of us and we are looking forward to it and and i want to invite all of you to come along too and and maybe cross our paths uh, one day and, and maybe we can all have a chat together. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just have like, <laughs> I'm such a visual person and I have in my mind, like the roller coaster analogy that uh, we've been talking about, yeah. you know, and I just picture like this, this massive theme park and we're all on our own individual roller coasters <laughs> and you know someone's roller coaster might be really really long and they live a very long life and it's got loop-de-loops everywhere and someone else's might be a little less you know exciting from the outside and uh, we just all all of our life paths look so different yeah. and that's the way it's meant to be that's and right. we just all we learn yeah. from whatever oh, our please. roller coaster our individual roller coaster brings yes. 
Well, and this is not a pissing contest. If you're on the roller coaster, it doesn't matter if the drop is five meters or mm-hmm. 50 meters. It's yeah. just as scary for the respective people exactly. on it. Okay. So therefore you can't, you can only say, yes, we both have gone for trauma to compare them. Nah, yeah. Nah. Well, just like when you go to a theme park you want to experience all of it every single roller coaster has its own unique (laughs) fun things about it and so that's just like how we all are you know we all have something beautiful and unique to bring to the table that's why I think you can learn lessons valuable lessons from every single person everyone has something Mm. to teach um Uh, it might all look a little different but that's because we're all meant to be different (laughs) now I don't want to I don't want to close that interview in this way i've got a far better interview closer here because sometimes <laughs> words uh in normal spoken language they're quite cool but sometimes there's a thing called poetry and i just so happen to know that uh Kristen, <laughs> you actually are a songwriter and a poet in yourself and i just wonder if you if you want to share one of your poems with us Yes, I would be happy to share one with you. I wrote this poem, it was just a couple months after my sister had passed away, and it's called The Gift of Life. And I want to just preface this poem and paint the picture of where I was at this time in my life. I was sick with a cold, um, had my young daughter, and I was visiting my mom, who is lovely. And I, I just love her and adore her so much. She was taking care of me. So she drew up a bubble bath for me. She made some chicken noodle soup. And I was just thinking about life. It was also autumn time. And um, my, you know, where we were at, just beautiful, beautiful, changing leaves. And, and so I was thinking about just the beauties of the world and also just really missing my sister and mm-hmm. wishing that I, I had those moments to share with her. So that's kind of where I was when I wrote this poem. Again, it's titled The Gift of Life. As I stand atop this mountain and look out amongst the colored trees, I ponder the beauty of each bright leaf as I breathe in the autumn breeze. I breathe deeply in and out, feel a chill of wonder shake my core. How beautiful this world is how each moment, each life builds on the one before. I look down at my hands, they can write, they can work. My eyes such beauty can behold. My lungs can breathe, my heart it beats. The love I felt worth more than gold. With each deep breath, I think how great a gift this body is. Through the pains I've felt, with the sickness I've dealt, this gift of life is bliss. My voice, it can teach. It can, te- it can lift others and preach of the truths I've come to know. I can sing, I can learn, I can hug, kiss, and yearn to keep building more knowledge and grow. I think of my marks of motherhood and ponder the miracle of my sweet daughter. How amazing that my body can create another life whose spirit came straight from the Father. Why do so many of us spend so much time, even hours, weeks, months, and years, hating our bodies, these gifts from above that should bring happiness, not shameful tears? Why do we covet, degrade, and compare when we could be laughing, caring, loving? 
Why do we think such destructive thoughts when we've been given the gift of living? In sickness and in health, we always have a choice to choose gratitude that on earth we can be. And when those hard times come, when those hard times come, when our minds and bodies are weak, look for help so our souls can see that the bodies we have are always a gift, that we can always find strength through the pain, that the tears, they will come and the weakness will fail, but we can choose to dance in the rain. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. What better way to close our interview. Kristen, you are a fantastic woman. You're a fantastic guest. It was an absolute honor to meet you. And there's very little doubt we will work together uh, in the future to make this uh, world a little bit better. Uh, guys, check Kristen Larson out uh, down there in the description of the podcast and of the video is her lighting the shadows uh, information. Um, so it's a podcast that you're running. Is it, are you on YouTube as well on Instagram and other handles? I'm not on YouTube. Mm. I think I have like two or three YouTube videos, but they are uh, not podcasting. <laughs> not yet. Not yes. yet. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple of like music videos that I have on YouTube. I think that's it. Um, that's it. Okay, that's the future to come. Yeah. yeah, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. Um, I have my own website. It's yeah. www.lightingtheshadows.org, which you can also find, you know, the, the Facebook and Instagram yeah. Um, connections through there fantastic so yeah yeah and I, I think i'm just lighting the shadow All down on, there. on well, instagram and facebook so look me uh, up which is beautiful so guys i'm about here looking down there for the handles press the subscribe button onto my show so that you uh, don't miss any of the cool interviews and any cool videos that we are producing here uh, life is the short let's make this a life to remember with all its ups and downs and it's just amazing so come live with us come come go nuts with us and embrace the the life of what it is a gift and uh, that the gratitude that comes with loving yourself is just out of this world so guys uh, look after yourself and, and and come along on the journey stay strong bye thank you